And that's where you run into the first deactivated save point. It's not even digitally removed. You can still see it on the floor. Um, <laughs> they've recolored it, and a character actually calls it out and says, hey, this, this memory glyph is, is not working for some reason. And, of course, it's, it's the save right before the boss of the dungeon. So in the highly likely event that you lose, you're kicked all the way back, halfway, halfway back through the dungeon. There's been a lot of talk this week about EA's Dungeon Keeper, a reboot of the Bullfrog Classic for phones and tablets in which they've applied the free-to-play and in-app purchase model that we have seen become very, very popular over the past couple of years uh, and doesn't seem to be going away. Uh, but now the question is how companies implement that stuff. Uh, are there moral and ethical lines that they should be following even if it does make money off of some people? This conversation isn't about Dungeon Keeper, but it is about the same idea. Uh, I finished reading Sean Musgrave's review of Tales of Fantasia over on Touch Arcade, and at the end, I was actually just straight up laughing because it was so ridiculous how insulting uh, Namco Bandai had been to Tales of Fantasia. Uh, this is a SNES game that was ported to the GBA, and I think it was also on the PSP. It's an older game, uh, but it is one that... Uh, people are definitely fans of and what Namco has done to this game to make it work in the free-to-play market is ridiculous uh, it's insulting it's sad uh, it, and I, I get frustrated even talking about it so I'm just going to turn it over to my conversation with Sean where he breaks down his experience with the game and my guess is you'll be as upset as I was uh, by the time you finish listening to it and you know, I'd like to do more interviews like this. I would like to talk to writers that have uh, made interesting comments, done interesting things, uh, raised interesting questions, uh, stuff that I don't have time for, uh, but do have time to chat with them on Skype about it. So if you like stuff like this, please let me know, and hopefully we'll do more of these in the future. But in the meantime, here's my conversation with Sean. So I got in touch with you because I read your review of Tales of Fantasia and was just Straight up laughing at the end of it uh, because, you know, this week there's been a lot of discussion, I think, focused on uh, Dungeon Keeper, you know, EA uh, and, and sort of their approach with, you know, you know, microtransactions and free to play and all and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And it seemed Tales of Fantasia just seemed like this other really amazing test case. But part of the reason it fascinated me was because you know it's based on an existing game that we can compare it against and you know watching the way that you sort of systematically dis dismantled the game and, <laughs> and found the ways that it had changed uh the original game in pursuit of making it free and then trying to incentivize people to pay uh was just really interesting because it, it you know it, it couldn't have happened without someone who was aware of uh how the game was actually structured so i'm <laughs> you know i'm curious for you, you know, what was it like for you when you first booted this up? Kind of what what were your expectations before uh, all of your dreams were shattered by <laughs> Namco's port? Well, um, to be honest, as soon as I saw that it was free to play, I knew there was going to be something up. 
Um, I did not realize at that time how extensive it was going to be, um, though. So that, that kind of caught me by surprise. I was expecting something more along the lines of uh, uh, what Chemco does on, on uh, mobile with their uh, RPGs, where they kind of have a shop where you can, you know, buy cheat items or maybe some secret dungeons or something like that. You know, I thought maybe, you know, that's what they had done, thrown a few cheat items in there and, and perhaps maybe added a, a dungeon, you know, uh, like like what Square used to do with some of their uh, Game Boy Advance and, and DS ports that you would have to pay to unlock. That was my expectation. Um, <laughs> it definitely uh, exceeded or, or uh, I don't know what, what word <laughs> to use there. <laughs> It exceeded it in a way, but just in the worst possible way. So, like, obviously, like you said, when you, uh, you know, download it, realize it's free to play, that sets off the first set of alarms that, okay, well, how are they going to justify this? Because if it's going to be free, then, well, they want to make money somehow. Like, right. where, where did it start to, you know, go beyond just, like, some of the obvious things, like you said, you know, maybe pay, you mentioned in your review that you can pay for, uh, you know, experience points. So you can kind of just grind through the game faster, and you know that seems pretty reasonable. But yeah. at what point? At what point did it start going beyond that? I think uh, it it hits remarkably early. Actually, um, I don't I don't know how much if you've played Tales of Fantasia or or how much you've played it or how recently you played it. It is a pretty old one, but. Um, Basically, you start off in the town and you get that initial thing that happens in every RPG where they send you out to some, you know, beginner dungeon type thing. In this case, it's a forest and you're going out to hunt a wild pig. And um, they, as soon as you leave the house, there's an extra bit where the character's mother comes out and offers you this new item, which, you know, I, I had, you know, not seen before. And uh, this is basically the the miracle orb. This is the resurrection item. And you're thinking, well, okay, uh, that that makes sense. Perhaps this is one of the ways they're monetizing it. They let you uh, pick up and continue if you fall down in battle. But as soon as you get to that forest dungeon um, and you get to that that boss, who in the original game is 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 a pushover. I mean, it's it's your typical first boss of of an RPG. He's a pushover. Um, in this game, he just destroys you, <laughs> you know, like he hits you two or three times and you are down. I mean, this is the tutorial boss. This is meant to be like, Hey, explore what's in the menus of the combat to get a sense of what the flow is, but we're not going to punish you for screwing up. Exactly. That's, that's what it's supposed to be. Um, and I guess it is a tutorial in a way, but it's it's a tutorial in this in this version. Uh, the tutorial is here's this item that we would like to sell you, and here is how it works. Because the boss just destroys you. You use the item, and you know you're you're given one of these items, and it brings you back to life, and it it buffs up your stats. So you're thinking, well, okay, uh, you know, I, I guess they gave it to me. They're taking it away. This is pretty typical for for you know a free to play game. Um, but then the boss is still really strong and, and uh, <laughs> good chance that it'll down you again. And then it goes, well, okay, this miracle orb you can use more than once. But in the future, it's just a one-time use thing. But yeah, it, it hits you right away with, with this um, ridiculous uh, boss that, that, again, it's just such a sharp contrast from the original version of the game where this is basically a punching bag and... Uh, well, uh, they they kind of turn it around on you because you're the punching bag at this battle. 
So they essentially use, you know, in the original game, which is, a, you know, sort of a tutorial for the combat, a setup for the story, and that uh, if you die, you know, the resurrection orb, hey, here's how this mechanic works. Like, uh, and they do the, in this one, but they, they buff up the, the boss to the point that you're, you're really actually getting tutorialized on the free-to-play nature of the game, or at least one of the more uh, egregious forms that they're trying to get you to pay more. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think... Um... I think a lot of people got to that point when they downloaded it and that boss just destroyed them and they thought, wow, this is just ridiculous. And, um, I mean, they do, they do increase the difficulty of, of most of the enemies in the game. It's, it's basically locked into the highest difficulty from the old games, but they're never quite as bad as that first boss. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still ridiculously hard, but that boss is just like, it comes out, it punches you two times. Well, you know, it's a pig. It hits you, it hits you with its tusks or whatever, two times and, and you're just down. Um, so that was kind of the first point where I was like, okay, well, that's, uh, that's how this has changed. But you know, not the first free to play game I played where, where the, uh, uh, difficulties set kind of unnaturally high and kind of one of my things that I do is, is I push as far as I can in these games without spending any money and, and just see exactly where that difficulty bar lands. And, uh, in this case, you know, after that fight, it wasn't horrible, but there are a couple other things that Namco did that, that really just makes it not fun. Um, they didn't hit, though, until I got into the next dungeon. So this is actually a save point that existed in the original game and is no, it has been just digitally removed from this version. It's, it's not even digitally removed. You can still see it on the floor. Um, <laughs> they've recolored it, and a character actually calls it out and says, hey, this, this memory glyph is, is not working for some reason. Wow. And, of course, it's, it's the save right before the boss of the dungeon. So in the highly likely chance that you lose, because this is, you know, very difficult. This is the highest difficulty setting from the original game. In the highly likely event that you lose, you're kicked all the way back, halfway, halfway back through the dungeon. And this is the pattern that the game follows thereafter. The, the save points that they've deactivated are the ones that are just before the bosses that are supposed to give you that feeling of comfort going into the boss that you're not going to have to redo half of a dungeon if you lose. Right. Um, and to me, this was one of the worst points um, because, you know what, I can put up with losing to a boss. You know, I, I play Shin Megami Tensei games all the time. I am used to getting my butt kicked by a boss, but I really don't like having to redo half of a dungeon, uh, especially when the game was not balanced for that in the first place. Yeah, and it seems like, it, you know, it would be one thing if you could blame it on, you know, poor design in the first place, right? Like maybe that, you know, the original game didn't have those save points. But when the game is cracking wise about there being disabled save points that were there in the first place, that, that just goes to a certain level that it feels, you know, insulting to the player, especially someone, the kind of person that's going to download Tales of Fantasia, I expect is someone that is a fan of that series, has probably played that original game. Like there were... it. It seems less likely than you're going to get, you know, so a newcomer that is just browsing the app store and is going to find that. And so, you know, someone like yourself or another player that's interested is going to be the exact type of person that realizes these kinds of changes. And it's I don't know how to describe it other than insulting the way the way it seems like they've handled it. It's it's quite terrible. Um, you know, 
I, I couldn't believe that they, they called attention to it. You know, why not just erase the save point and try <laughs> to pull a fast one? But they, they just, they hung a lampshade right on it. You know, oh, this is deactivated for some reason. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, those were the, I think, the, the very upfront, in-your-face changes that they made to the game. Uh, and then after those hit me, of course, I did a little bit of investigating because the last time I played Tales of Fantasia was, I think, about five or six years ago. I ran through the Game Boy Advance version. Which is based um, on a, a SNES game, correct? Right, right. The original game was, was on the, uh, the, it was only in Japan, but it was on, on the Super Nintendo. It, it later got a port to the PlayStation, which also was not translated. And I think a few years back, it also got a PSP port. But anyway, I mean, yeah, this is a, this is a pretty old game. So um, I think some of the more subtle things they did were not immediately apparent. But after that flagged my interest, I went back and I started looking at some of the numbers and some of, you know, how much money enemies are supposed to drop, um, you know, what kind of drop rate you should have on items, you know, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing that Namco did in this port was they gave you a daily login bonus, and uh, that seemed to fly in the face of what they had done otherwise. You know, here's here's something generous we're giving you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and what these login bonuses do is they, they basically buff one aspect of the game for one hour. You know, enemies give you double gold, or drop rate is increased, or uh, skill uh, acquiring skills happens at a faster rate. And, you know, after seeing what they had done, I thought, this is oddly generous. So I went back and I just started looking um, at some of the numbers on the older versions of the game. I started, uh, I loaded up my Game Boy Advance game. I gave it an, another run through for a little bit. And uh, that that's when I noticed that they had actually done more than just locked it in at the hard difficulty. Um, they had done things like doubled the price of every item in the shops. Oh, wow. They had uh, adjusted the drop rate from enemies so that you you get fewer items from the enemies uh, in general. Um, so there's a lot of subtle things that that are going on with the game as well. Um, it really is a, a very thorough. I don't know what to say. Thorough thorough destruction of the game's original design. And they took their time. Like it's, it's. This is clearly, you know, whether you're, you know, obviously the, you and I are disagreeing with how they went about it, but it doesn't, you know, you couldn't make the accusation that they were being lazy about it. Like they seem to have gone to a lot of effort to add additional text to the game, to modify the game code, to to change, you know, item, uh, you know, uh, shop prices. Like they went to a lot of work to modify the game to to fit this uh, sort of design for the the free to play model. It's incredibly thorough. I mean, even doing things like adjusting shop prices, that's just kind of going in and changing values. But mm-hmm. they've, they've added additional uh, events, you know, in the story for things like giving you the Miracle Orb or uh, calling attention to the save points being deactivated. And I can't imagine that was just a simple go in and, and do five minutes of work thing. So, they, yeah, they... they this is this is hilariously a very I think a, a relatively high effort port um, to to make something so unplayably uh, I don't know what to say it's just not fun to play. <laughs> so how, how how far did you get before you know you talked about online that you 
sort of use in a lot of these games these uh, that are built on the free-to-play model where you got to the point where, look, this would, you know, maybe for a lot of people, they might just uninstall it and not play it. Uh, or if they really want to play it, this is the, the moment they're going to pay. Like, when did you get to that point in the game? Uh, the point at which I think most people would, would start paying for an item. Jeez, I, I think you're, you're looking at maybe even the first real dungeon outside of the tutorial. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a feeling that, that when people hit that first real boss, you know, which is to say not the tutorial boss that, that pummels the, the living heck out of you, when they get to that first real boss, uh, in the highly likely event that they lose and they lose all of the progress they had made for half of the dungeon, you know, treasures they picked up, experience points they gained, I think a lot of people are going to have their finger hovering over that buy miracle orb option for, for $2 for a one-time use. But, you know, should they stick it out? And I know a lot of people do. A lot of people really have a high tolerance for these these uh, insane difficulty spikes in free-to-play games. I think if they do stick it out, they're just going to find as the game goes on and on, it, it becomes more ridiculous. Um, the boss's strength increase uh, increases exponentially as you're playing through the game. I mean, that's part of the original design, but if you just go through and do things like like double HP or double the strength of enemies, it gets to be a bigger problem as you go along. Uh, meanwhile, that decreased drop rate, decreased ability gain leads to you being weaker than you would be in the normal game at, at any given point. Um, so I, I, I think... You know, for most people, they're going to get to that that first boss, that first uh, point where they lose their progress, and everyone hates when that happens. And I think they're either going to quit the game or they're going to uh, perhaps open their wallet. So, you know, one of the things that you know I've I've noticed when uh, discussing the different approaches that uh, game publishers have taken with, uh, you know, specifically JRPGs, is you have kind of the Square Enix has obviously dabbled in having you know cheaper and/or free games um, and and working that out. But you know one of a lot of what Square has done in the past has been to charge uh, a real premium uh, for access to their games, and then you know then you've just kind of got the game. Uh, whereas on this side of the spectrum, you have a game that's free uh, but with all sorts of hooks in it. Now it seems you know rather egregiously done, but you know as someone that sounds like you know, you've played a lot of these, you've gotten a sense of how different publishers and different games have approached it. Like, is there sort of an ideal model that, you know, sort of you as a player and a consumer uh, would rather see more games trying to trying to achieve when they're when they're trying to come out on these kinds of platforms? Well, I I think it's it's a difficult situation. Because you know what, I can understand from the developers and the publishers' point of view, it's 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 hard to make money selling things for the price of a cup of coffee. You know, like it's it's hard to uh, to to try to get enough sales at that point, and and the competition on on uh, both of the mobile platforms is just ridiculous. You know, you're looking at at a hundred thousand games or more, and and you know how do you stand out there? So, I mean, I think from genre to genre, you really have to look at, at what the audience on the platform expects, what they're willing to uh, go through, what perhaps historically what is done well. Now, my feeling is that in both the case of, of a, a Japanese role-playing game and in the case of, of bringing a, a classic game onto the platform – 
I think the 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 fans of Japanese role playing games on mobiles are used to paying a little higher price. Not just Square, of course. Square is is the more famous of 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 the the lot, and theirs are priced appropriately high, I, I suppose. But also the the other JRPGs that you've seen come to uh, iOS, such as Lunar um, and uh, Chemco's, you know, monthly monthly RPGs. Relative to other games in the App Store, they're they're priced, you know, a little higher. They're they're five dollars or nine dollars or ten dollars, and that sounds crazy cheap. But uh, compared to you know the one dollar offerings uh, in other genres, um, JRPGs are usually coming in a little higher. I think there's a market there for for uh, for not. I, I think you don't have to go free to play with this type of game. Uh, additionally, I think when it comes to bringing a retro game to the platform, again, there, I think people are willing to pay a little bit for it. Um, we've seen games like, um, uh, Knights of the Old Republic come out and do very well. Baldur's Gate has done very well. Um, so I, I feel like if you're, I feel like if you want to bring your old IP to the platform, and you're bringing the original game, just bring the original game and sell it for whatever price you think is fair. Don't try to mess with it. Don't tinker with it. On the other hand, you've got something like what EA is doing with, uh, with Dungeon Keeper, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's um, an interesting game in and of itself, but at least there, it's, it's a new game using the IP. You know, it's, it's not the old game hacked and butchered up and, uh, you know, whether you like the game or not, at least it's, it's something that kind of stands separately. Um, geez, I'm, I've kind of gone off on a tangent here. I'm sorry. but <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 please do. But I, I feel like you really have to look at, at what kind of game you're looking to bring to the market and, and how, how does it fit into the picture? Uh, with big companies like Namco, who, who, Perhaps you know. Well, no, they're not even perhaps. They're 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 coming in from a different end of the business. The mobile platforms are very different uh, in terms of of what the customers expect, in terms of what the customers buy. You know, right now the hot game is is a free to play game called Flappy Bird that is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're flapping your way through pipes and getting two points before you die. Um, it's it's a really I think a different and perhaps maybe a scary market for the traditional publishers to walk into because, you know, you look at this and it, it just looks completely different from the traditional market, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, well, how do I succeed in this? These free to play games are making a lot of money. What do I have that I can make free to play? Um, EA's approach to that has been perhaps leveraging old IPs like Ultima or Dungeon Keeper. Uh, with new free-to-play installments that you know borrow elements from what's popular right now, uh, but I think in the case of, of of Namco, I think they've they've looked at what is doing well, and uh, you know, it perhaps intelligently looked into their back catalog to see well what do we have that that might fit, uh, but then the next step they took was just a, a very bad one. <laughs> yeah, that 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 sounds about right. Um... Well, you know, hopefully they'll they'll learn from this stuff. But the, you know, I guess the the real problem with any of these free to play games is that if they 
if they end up making money, then you know what is the the lesson learned, and it's it's tough to to do the the thing that you know to speak with your wallet as much because uh, you know by very nature, if you know, the the free to play games, if they have you know whales uh, as the the term goes, uh, with you know folks that are uh, you know spending a lot of money on these games, then you know maybe it is worth it for them. But uh, I guess we'll just uh, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, but cool, awesome. I appreciate you taking a taking a couple minutes to to chat with me. I'm sorry about the the time zone and the wonkiness, but I appreciate oh, you finding right. uh, uh, time to do it. And uh, we'll have to I'll have to check back in with you if we uh, if if something uh, equally egregious happens in the future. Because uh, well, someone's got Someone's got to go do this stuff for us. And I'm I'm glad we have someone like yourself well, to tell us how bad know, it is. Thanks. Uh, thanks for thanks for talking to me. Um, you know, it's. Uh... It's a pleasure to uh, it's a pleasure to add my voice and uh, and uh, you know speak about this stuff because yeah like you say it's it's not something that that's really getting a whole lot of coverage in in the mainstream media so well mainstream media I guess in the traditional media I shouldn't sure I shouldn't sure say sure mainstream. so so you know uh, yeah absolutely thanks for thanks for reaching out and uh, you know anytime. Uh, Anytime anything flares up about uh, about the mobile market, if you want to uh, uh, chat with me, I'm, I'm more than happy to share my thoughts.